0: Doctor Who, the Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grant, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson, they explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963 and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who retrospective where a legend will never die, die,
1: die.
2: To the Literary License podcast. Tonight we are um, talking about the Censorites with William Hartnell from 1964. And I've got Matthew Rose with me. Yes, yes, it's good to be back from the
3: um, the old sphere. Oh, it's not the old sphere, the Censorites. Yes.
2: I'm with Mario Heraclius. Hey, Professor. Oh, wicked. I can't wait. And I'm joined by Ramona.
4: Hello from the USA. uh, Watching Doctor Who since 1983
2: and loving it. That's so cool. We've got East Finchley Suburbs meets USA and North Finchley. And where are you, Matt?
1: Time and space.
2: And then it's the West Midlands. So, So, Matt, what have you been up to recently? What have you been watching? Anything?
3: A long time ago in the Galaxy Far, Far Away, there's this thing called The Mandalorian, which is on its finale tomorrow for Series 3. Um, I've been dipping into a lot of big finishes. some more on Thursdays, the new Rani um, takes the world spin off, which I'm looking forward to hearing like uh, Andrew Mahindra back as Rani Chandra. But hearing that trailer, it's so funny hearing the guy that played Clyde. Uh, oh, um, he's not, I can't call, uh, every time I try to call his name it sounds like the guy that was C-3PO so I'll call him Clyde so I don't call, mistaken for Anthony Daniels even though his name is Daniel Anthony he sounds exactly the same, it's like no time has changed but because you're doing First Doctor which is spooky, I was listening to Stephen Noonan the other day and the funniest thing he did was like the Hartnell tidbit where he said we've, we've landed the shops, I mean the ship and it was like, what? We well, landed the shops. OK. <laughs> I like it when they do like the Hartnell tidbits. Um, but yes, as you could tell, I'm still in uniform for work. I've literally got one now after literally two months about, where am I, month four? I only got it last month.
2: And I heard I heard of the, the dark season being rebranded. Um, oh
3: remember. yes have you heard, have you seen what's happened with that in Vortex Mag? He's hinted that's a unit spin-off. <laughs> he's hinted that the dark season's always been in Doctor Who, so he's now hinting that there's gonna be units involvement in this new audio. Oh, right. <laughs>
2: oh, did all, and I love the off episodes of the dark season. Yeah, yeah it was but but can we say it, it's
3: wonderful that people might think this is a nostalgia year? The tenants also doing um, Ahsoka and as well as Kate Winslet reprising the Dark Season. It's like everyone's coming back. First, Hayden came back yeah. last year for Kenobi uh, with Ruin. Now it's like every greatest hits are returning these last few years.
2: And what about yourself, Marius? What have you been up to?
5: I have actually been watching Dark Season myself um, last week because I've decided that every Sunday will be classic DVD night. So I've started off with um, Dark Season. And I must admit, I absolutely love it. The way it was written, the acting, Kate Winslet. The young Kate Winslet, Marcy Hatter, I always think of her as the 7th Doctor in that um, series, especially when it became the BMOF episodes. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Um, Yeah, I've started off with um, Dark Season. I've been on to Bergerac as well. And also um, Sunday Night Soap Howard's Way which is a sailing soap opera. So I have been diving into the world of the 80s, 90s classic DVDs of late, but I'm actually writing a new short story for July release called Sudden Threat, an alien excursion in the Arctic. So
2: watch out for that one in July as well. Cool. And how about yourself, Ramona? What have you been up to?
4: I've been up to uh, a bit of gardening this morning. But uh, on long term is uh, writing, a lot of fan fiction, Uh, Rassilon, the beginning of a legend, Uh, just done, what, page four this morning. I've also uh, got something cooking with Susan, different spelling of her name, uh, beginning with an X instead of an S for the masculine of Susan.
1: Wow. Um,
4: Something has got me buggered, and that is uh, the line from Ruth Doctor. See that thing down there? That's my ship. It's called a TARDIS. Uh, Susan said that uh, she came up with the name of the TARDIS.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: So
3: it's, something is. So, i I took it as she may have created the name, but it was definitely the Doctor that knew what TARDIS was, but the initials, I still believe she made it up. She just said, like, whatever, it was Dev again. She's still going to have her mind wiped between her and what. So Susan still could have done it.
4: Exactly. But here's where the masculine Susan comes in. She got her own history.
2: Yeah, I think they need to explore Susan a bit more definitely, she's been overlooked
3: Uh, I thought it was going to be Susan the (laughs)
2: horse but if anyone doesn't know Ramona is a master sculptor and she does TARDIS interiors and they are amazing like, amazing so be sure to check them out you've got some Facebook pages, isn't it Ramona?
4: Yes. Um, go to my albums and the the album titled uh, "Builds," and you can scroll through that and see some pictures.
2: Cool. Right. Well, let's we, we'll start with the Sensorite um, for William Hartnell, and we'll, we'll cut to the trailer, and we'll be right back. back.
0: This is a synopsis for Doctor Who, The Sensorites, airing the 20th of June to the 1st of August, 1964. The TARDIS crew land on a spaceship, where they meet crew members Captain Maitland and Carol Richmond, who are on an exploration mission from Earth and are orbiting Scent Spear. However, its inhabitants, the Sensorites, refuse to let them leave orbit. The Sensorites visit and stop the travelers from leaving while sending them on a collision course, which the first Doctor diverts. The travelers then meet Carol's fiance John, whose mind has been broken by the sensorites. Susan Fordman's telepathic mind is flooded with the many voices of the sensorites who remain scared of the humans and are trying to communicate with her. Meanwhile, the doctor calculates that the sensorites attacked the human craft because John, a mineralogist, had discovered a vast supply of molybdenum on Scent Spear. Susan reports that the sensorites wished to make contact with travelers asking the crew to board Cent Sphere and revealed that a previous Earth expedition caused them great misery. The Doctor asked the Centurized to return the TARDIS lock in exchange for visiting the Cent Sphere to speak with the leader. Ian Charleston, Susan, Carol, and John join him. On their journey to Cent Sphere, the party learns that the previous visitors from Earth exploited Cent Sphere for its wealth. Half of them stole the spacecraft, which exploded on takeoff. The sensorite console is divided over the issue inviting the party to sense fear. Some members plot to kill them on arrival, but others believe that the humans can help with the disease that is currently killing many sensorites. When their first plot is foiled by the other Sensorites, they continue to plot in secret. John's mind is eventually unblocked. Ian contracts the disease that has blighted the Sensorites until that he will soon die. It is revealed that he is actually poisoned by drinking water from the Aqueduct. The Doctor finds the Aqueduct and creates a cure for Ian. The plotting Sensorites capture and then impersonate a Sensorite leader, the second Elder. Meanwhile, investigating the aqueduct, the doctor finds strange noises in darkness. He sees and removes deadly nightshade, the cause of the poisoning, and while returning meets an unseen monster. Susan and Ian find him unconscious but unharmed. On recovering, he tells a suspicion that some centurites are plotting to kill them. The plotting centurites kill the second elder and one of them replaces him in his position. John tells the others that he knows the lead plotter, but he is now too powerful, so the doctor and Ian go down to the aqueduct to find the poisoners. Elsewhere, a mysterious assailant abducts Carol, Susan, John, and Barbara, eventually find and release her. On discovering the tamper tools, they go into the aqueduct to rescue the Doctor and Ian. The leader discovers the plotters a little while later. Ian and Doctor discover that the monsters were actually the survivors of the previous Earth's mission, and they have been poisoning the sensorites. Their deranged commander leads them to the surface, where they are arrested by the sensorites. The Doctor and his party return to the city, pleading clemency for the poisoners. The leader of the sensorites agrees and sends them back with Maitland, John, and Carol to Earth for treatment. And that is the synopsis for Doctor Who, The Sensorites, which aired the 20th of June to the 1st of August, 1964. Now back to the show.
2: Hello and welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Tonight we're discussing the sensorites. So, opening the floor. Any thoughts?
5: Well, for me, the first time I saw it, because I haven't seen it since my VHS um, tape, it was so slow. For me, it was the slowest story that I have seen from Doctor Who. Six episodes long. And I'm sorry, guys, I I fell asleep in some of them, to be (laughs) fair with you because it, it just, for me, it didn't go anywhere. It was just not, I wasn't feeling the flow, if you know what I mean with it. And I understand there was a, um, some, you know, political essence in the story as well. And I think Susan was standing up for herself in this one as well, because she wanted to go with the rights, but she wasn't allowed to as well so it for me susan was quite strong she was adamant but i just couldn't connect with the story i couldn't connect with this story and that's for me that's my personal truth Mm.
2: for that one because the first time he's the doctor has instigated something without um uh without the cliche of the you know having to um be forced to fix something even though he does say in the episode i i'm not to uh meddle in, in the, the the lives of others but then you think well hold on he sort of is um what do you think of the censorites themselves though they
5: i mean they were i mean they were good for what they were i think but i think we need to i think we need a little bit more of them because it, well they didn't come across for me as a villain in such in, in a state really they weren't yeah
3: yeah
5: you know, i just I, I just couldn't connect and that's the very first time for me <laughs> anybody else on the thoughts of um the, the sense of rights at all matthew well go on then uh, well basically to be
3: honest, it is exactly what it is on the tin. It's a very strong Susan story because it gives her way more to do, but which is such a shame because this is when Carol Ann's on the way out from the show at this point. Yeah. I think, from an episode standpoint, from a writing point, the concept is good for the, having um, the sense rights, aliens she can relate to because she feels alienated and ostracized within her own crew. That's why she relates to them. But unfortunately, then you've got this weird like war type clan going on with the sensor, and it just is so ridiculous. I mean, I love the sensorites. Look at the design of them. They're definitely like what would come for like things like the Oods, But when you watch them back, it just felt like th- their plot made absolutely no <laughs> sense. It was, it's a fun story, but it definitely is like the new who stuff where you watch an episode and you get frustrated at the end of it. You're like, okay, this was good. But it felt incredibly like a filler for coming to the end of the journey of one companion. It felt like they would just needed to fill time before Carol Ann left, which was in the big Dalek story. Come, Would I like more rights? Big Finish have only done one story recently. And funny enough, it was with Susan and the Time War, and they just literally justified like her connection with them on this sense sphere. And it's just like how on earth, like years later, uh, the Time War version of her, you get a better, meatier story than the actual story that it's come from, same as the Vord. I think personally, though, if you look at like, the Hartnell era, it's a fun era, but this whole first series does have flaws. One minute you've got companions sidelined, and then some are getting the short straw, some are getting the better straw. This episode... I can't really gauge like how the doctor was when I watched it like the first time, and I was just like, "Oh, this story was definitely Susan's story." Everyone else just felt like they were guest characters this week. It was like Susan, uh, what Susan who this week for this episode? Like you know when people joke about Clara, but honestly, well, honestly, yeah. I love it. I love I love the fact that it's Susan's like strongest episode, but it's a week. Story for Doctor Who because they all get overshadowed by her story of the censor, right? It's like Doctor Who and the cameos this week. But yeah, it, it's good. The music is great as always, like the Radiophonic Workshop. The atmosphere was great. It's just the sense right? War that doesn't make any sense to me. That guy that literally was pot stirring everything. That's the only problem I had with it. Really, it was like, who is this guy? They're supposed to be really nice and loud noises hurt. I mean, yeah, this guy's like spears yeah. and nothing faces him. It's like a it contradicts of each episode. Hey, ho, that's the just- opening vault.
2: <laughs> because in the Aztecs last week, w- when we covered it, it was Susan who had t- two weeks off. And I think this week, this adventure was Barbara's time to have two weeks off because she was hardly seen. Yes,
5: I agree with that. I
2: didn't see Barbara at all to be fair in it. Unless she was drained out from the Aztecs, because that performance was amazing. So I don't know if that was, that might be why. But um, yeah, she's in orbit with Captain Maitland. My thoughts
4: thoughts on the uh, censorites were that even though family groups were mentioned, I saw them as uh, an exploration of unisex life form um, wearing Dr. Denton's um, and they were all lookalike. You really couldn't tell Cracker Jack from uh, the other character or the other one or the other one, unless you had the sash of office.
1: Mm.
4: And, uh, they made a big deal about who was who, who could tell who was who without the sash of office. And, um, I kind of enjoyed them. Um, at first, uh, when I first watched it, a long, long, long time ago, uh, it didn't make sense to me, but, uh when I watched it a few weeks ago, um, it was like, uh, now I know what the Ood sphere is. Now I know what the um, cryons are. I thought that so was well. the, Yes, the, was the triumvirate of yeah. the uh, Ood sphere uh, contains the uh, cryons, the Ood, and the sensorites. And... Uh,
2: I was, like, very impressed. I love the, the the sense sphere stuff as well, when they were looking out of the, that big window and they were just peering in and sort of floating around. That was quite cool.
5: I but, mean, so I think I'm going to have to watch it again to understand oh, it a bit I more. Lost,
2: I lost my copy, but luckily ITBX player is now showing every single classic Doctor Who. So I was in heaven on on uh, Sunday. I've never watched so many Doctor Who back to back on the TV like that before. So I managed to get get the Ark of Infinity, Greatest Show in the Galaxy, (laughs) Destiny of the Daleks, the Sensorites. It was brilliant. Well, what
4: impressed me was that the Sensorites didn't really want to hurt the humans. They just put them back in their rockets, said, we'll feed you, you, we'll water you, we'll keep you as pets come prisoners. Um, but we don't want to hurt you, um, even though later on, spoilers, it is revealed that a previous team had uh, done the censor a little bit of dirty.
3: Yeah. And that's what I mean, that's why I like this story. It's the sense rights conflict with each other was fascinating. But in terms of a Doctor Who story, it felt like it was the sense rights and Susan that were really leading the story. And as I say, it feels like you know what's coming for Susan. We know the Daleks were coming for her soon, but you could feel like this is like, you could start to see the production was winding down on her. So they gave Caroline as much as they could do before she got out of there. Would I say this was one of Susan's finest hours? Yes. Would I say the rest of the not really. I really like the whole dynamic between like that really shady one who stole the sash, and then when he put the sash on, it was like they couldn't tell the difference. It's like for a race that's supposed to be connected with one mind, they couldn't tell who was who. So
1: that's what I thought. Was
3: was that supposed to be a production error, or was that? budget of the time, because obviously now things like the Ood, with the Ood's fit they'd all know who is who, where you would have thought the Censofites would have known like who was being actually the manipulative one underneath all of that. And,
2: and to take away the lock of the TARDIS as well, I thought that these must be powerful beings to have manipulated the TARDIS. And I thought and I thought to myself, would they, if, if they realised the Doctor was a Time Lord, would they have used that to their advantage to hijack his machine and stuff, but it didn't seem to get in the way. Because that's, that's the I mean. first
5: time that happened, wasn't it? When that's been, hi- the TARDIS has been hijacked back in, back in the 60s. And I don't think it's, been, has it been hijacked since then? But I can't remember, I need to watch more to find out. But it was a way, the lock wasn't there. And Susan goes, grandfather, grandfather, it's been, the lock is gone, the lock is gone. You see, she's taken over, like Matthew said, it's taken
2: over the role of the whole cast, I think. And it uh, was—I was interested that they are scared of high-pitched sounds. So God knows what Bonnie Langford would have done to them.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lovely! Apologies, Bonnie. There's a disclaimer going out for this episode.
2: I love Bonnie, Bonnie, though. (laughs) Me too. Your
3: big Finnish mouth, all the way. TV mouth—that's another debate. (laughs) Anywho, um, yeah, for the censorites, do I think they would have had fairer writing if they'd come back again? Yes, because obviously a different writer might have been like, okay, so this is what worked for them the first time, but can we do something a lot different so that people can see there's a rich history towards them? And there really was, and we've never seen it again on TV. I think if they really want to... Russell's mad mind could literally pair them with the oud for like comparison of like with the richness between both races
5: mm. and but Big Finish think- if you are listening out there please please give them another chance yeah
3: uh, yes we've already had as I said Susan's Wall, which represents sense fear and she's dragging into it with her and Ian of all people He's yeah. like, 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 oh my gosh, it's Susan, I can't believe it's you. And he's like, I'm not the censor, right? It's again, he's literally moaning when he sees them again. He's like, I thought they were evil, you know, like those people from last time.
4: <laughs> they were only evil because they had something done to
3: them to make them evil. Of course. Well the ood, they physically get manipulated like virtually all the time. But I kid you not, how many times have the ood have been so manipulated? Like when you watch them, it's like watching the sensorites. They're really nice and humble
2: people. But they and went they back about the, about the ood. Right nation. Sorry, Matt. I'm sorry, you go on Craig, so I couldn't but hear they, you. They they talk about this sensorite nation as well. So you mm-hmm. think like was that just the tip of the iceberg they could do so much? You
4: know? Right. Well- were there female sensorites? Were there children sensorites? Were their schools? Were, where's the offices? Where's the playgrounds? Not just the tunnels, not just the uh, waterways, but uh, and not just the weaponry, but everything else.
2: You never saw that, did you? You never saw they, they, anything. They talked about the water in the spring, but then... Um, the
4: crystal the crystal water mm. and then the uh, water that
3: everybody else drank. Mm. Yeah, and this is why it's worth a revisit like under the New Who budget because you'll get to see the rich side of what like, the censorites, which wasn't able to be ex- you could get in that sense like this is a few years down the road it's a bit decrepit, but it'd be nice if they could do like a story which explores their rich history about yeah. like what were the Sensorites like before, like the TARDIS crew met them? Like obviously, they could have a new Doctor, like could have met them because you know what the show's like—you can always meet them in the wrong order.
4: Right. So you we could have, we could have Nishu show up and uh, wind up meeting the Sensorites uh, decades before the humans
3: even showed up looking for a Libdeman. Absolutely. The doctor could meet them, so it doesn't contradict if he's um traveling alone or something, or she, depending on which might incarnation. be an interesting
4: prequel as to how the Sansarites knew to pick the TARDIS lock.
5: Yeah. Because uh, they could have met a time log before. Hmm. But in which incarnation? And maybe is it the same time log, or is it a different time log they met? Maybe they met the master. You never know if they the master. Oh, it could be the monk. It's always the monk somehow. <laughs>
4: oh, it burns to be the Rani.
5: <gasps> I would l- I want to see the Rani again. I need to see the Rani again. Well,
3: we still need have to resolve those rights issues. Badges. Unfortunately, when Pip and Jane passed,
2: yeah, the rights
3: are still gone to the estate.
2: For- Forbidden Planet have just launched the 60th anniversary pin badges, and one of them is the Rani. Um, I managed to get a uh, the master of Roger Delgado and a Sutec one, um, but they're they really nice pin badges. They're so cool. The yeah, I'm really liking
3: the I'm really liking the
2: artwork stuff they're doing for the 60 at the minute. Yeah, you can get prints. Guess,
3: ba- guess who has
4: a pin badge? Guess who has a pin badge? mate? I can make them.
5: Oh wow! Ooh, nice. Oh, excellent! The, wow.
4: the machine that uh, oh, the um, bits in pull the big handle
5: and yeah. out pops
4: a pin badge.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Okay, send some over, Ramona. We need a Ramona. We need a. We need a Ramona over here. We need, we
3: need a Ramona to yeah. make a romana. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's a time lady.
3: <laughs> We're not the one you're expecting.
5: so what do we think of overall who was the best out of the um characters from the doctor to um barbara who do um matthew what's your well i think
3: you already gathered for my hints earlier i would say this is a susan story i'd say this is the finest hour for carolyn ford and it's such a shame, like, she was literally leaving about the next episode or so. It really felt like the writers knew they did her dirty with, army oh, ankle, like some of the episodes. It felt like that was, like, virtually gone with this one. She was seemed more confident. The clash between her and her grandfather was literally coming for, like, the Daleks invasion. If this is literally how she was going to be all the way through series one after the pilot, you would literally have thought, this is an independent woman. She's a young girl trapped in, like, well, and while well, she's ancient, but she's in the young girl's body towards the audience. And then when you see her leave, it would have been a stronger journey if this is how they ran with Susan, like, getting to use, like, the telepathy side more, getting her to use her wits. And even if she's scared, she needed more guidance rather than, oh, I've hurt my ankle conveniently. Ooh, oh, that's a tweak, like, literally 20 feet away. Let me fall. But all in all, I'd still think this for her was her strongest. And I like her connection with the with the sense fear the most because with the sensorite, she feels like she's so alone and so isolated, still travelling with her grandfather, even though they've kidnapped the school teachers. Sometimes she she can't relate to them because she's not human. So it's nice that for the first time this series she relates to aliens on her level.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there, Matthew. I think for me it was Susan who outdid everybody in this story. Her views, her values, her morals, everything all comes together. And it makes way for her exit. As like you said, it makes way for her exit in the in the later series. And last note is I'd say if you
3: have never watched Classic Hub, but you're aware of Susan, this is don't be fooled by the whole me ankle business. I think this is her strongest story, and it's such a shame that it's one of the last stories with Ferontelli. Ramona. Yes. Um
4: what? what I what I've seen is that uh she is portraying time lord ladies as being delicate, even though they're long lived. But It's their mental powers that come to fore when uh, it comes to a situation. And while male Time Lords have a limited amount of telepathy, um, it's more pronounced between the Lord and the TARDIS. It's the female Time Lord ladies um, who have stronger telepathic powers and she was able to receive communications and communicate back to the sensorites on a private channel instead of communicating out in the open and anybody else can just butt right in.
5: Cool. What about you, um, Craig?
2: I like the, tele- the telepathy aspect of this serial because you didn't really see much of it until around... Maybe the Silurians with their telepathic um, gifts and ways of communicating. Um, I love the design. Um, um, I think it, Raymond Cusick was the designer on this. Um, it always looks classy, like it, it. No matter what they were filming in the sixties, it just is so bright and sharp and. They, they spent a lot of money on it. Looks like they spent a lot of money on the set designs, um, which is nice. Um,
4: considering set conditions for filming, um, is that it's a hot house in that studio there? Mm. So, wearing They're, Dr. Denton's oh. full set suits, I have to give them props
2: and um i would say for me i i enjoyed the story i mean it was a bit slow going at the beginning but once you got into it um it was good it and it done well on the figures as well i mean they got around 7 to 8 million viewers um for episode 1 was like 7.9 million um so it was well it was well received um but yeah I, there's a lot of comparisons with the oud like you said before um yeah it was a good it was a good show i mean I, pref- I i i thought it wasn't as strong as the aztecs but then that was susan's strong story um but it was a nice um it was a it was a good story and and i think it flowed well and you know, we we got we got to see a side of the doctor um, that was again different. He wasn't, he didn't seem as ruthless in this episode. Um, you know, um,
3: yeah, I can just was- say on that one, it felt like that was the start. Like this was like that turning point for that wise old wanderer to suddenly realise that he's no longer that alien and starts becoming the pers- person that we've seen today with the show. I think when Vicky started to arrive in a couple of episodes, this is literally the layers about to come off him. So that uh,
4: scene for me was the uh, cloak ep- cloak scene where the doctor gets his cloak back and uh, yeah, that was the uh, sensor.
5: I think for me, it's when Susan just told her grandfather, no listen to me type, you know, type thing. That's, you know, I thought, you go, girl. You know, this is this is your time now. You need to stand up for yourself. That's, for me, that was the most pivotal, pivotal point for her, I think.
3: But, yeah, if the next episode was Dalek Invasion, you could tell that would have gone really nicely, like, Absolutely. to end on, like, their relationship with the next story being, like, how, why they're parting.
2: I wonder. I wonder. I'm looking forward to the Reign of Terror because it's going to be a complete contrast to what we've seen before, and it's another historical setting. So I'll see if it marries up to the Aztecs. It'll be interesting, and I've never seen it before, so it's for me.
3: I've always heard mixed opinions on the story, animated or not. So it'll be quite interesting to do that one.
5: I love the animation for it, so this is going to be a good one for me. And I love historical settings as well, so it's going to. Um, I'm looking forward to the Reign of Terror next. So I go watched
4: ahead. it about a year ago, and it's a tough watch. Uh, whether it's the reconstruction or the uh, animation, it's a tough watch.
2: Okay, I'll make sure. Um and bushy tail for it. <laughs>
4: Lots of coffee.
2: Yeah. Oh. Double espresso. <laughs> I've got some. <laughs> guys what would you give this as a rating then
5: i'm gonna give it three out of five only because i w- didn't really connect with the whole story and sorry everybody that's just my opinion for that but i love susan's um you know because it belonged to susan this one and susan again was top for me so i'm just going to give it a three about that
2: okay and matt
3: Yes, to me, I think we come from a really strong series of like really strong episodes—from kidnapping, just school teachers, to weirdly cave people, to gimps, to IKA. Like, uh, what? They cut the board. Uh, we've literally did the Az- we have done the Aztecs, and here we are kneeling at the finishing line of the original team. Mm-hmm. And is it one of the strongest stories? I mean, we've had, like, the edge of destruction. We've had so many offers, right? But for me, it it's Susan's strongest story. But in terms of Doctor Who, it's not the strongest for that first series. Uh, would I say it's rewatchable? Yes, it's fun. So my score rate for it is 3.5. It would have been a lot stronger if the crew had more to do. It just felt like the doctor and Susan were leading the story. And it felt like Ian and Barbara were just like non-existent. It was like, okay, there's the sensorites. We're coming to the climax of like this crew. And it feels like we barely had them like together in these last two episodes. So who knows? But I I I don't write off the story, but it's a great character piece for people that want to see more out of Susan and
2: just ah oh me
1: Yeah.
2: And Ramona? Uh,
4: I'm wavering between a three and a half to a four because it took a long time for the story building to actually get established. Uh, uh, They spent a lot of time with the uh, mind-broken character and uh, just dealing with the psychological traumas and being scared and uh, pulling them out <laughs> um, before we finally get to go planet side and see exactly what's going on. You know, the, the uh, crew pictures, photographs, mementos from the previous uh, human exposition, expedition mm. and uh, onward, onward from there. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not get to see episode six. Um, My source did not have that available. But uh, of what I did see, I enjoyed
2: it. Great. I'm sort of on the lines, just like Ramona. I I think I'll give it 3.5. I like the concept. I like the characters. Um, it was fun, but it was it took a while to get going. Um, but it was nice to see The Doctor's Cloak. Um, that was cool. And, um, yeah, that's, that's um, what I'll give it.
3: I, I, I think the most disappointing aspect is the war side. Like, you really want to see where this is going and everything. And it just felt like it was really rushed out. Like, it was yes. resolved too quickly. And that's when people go on about, I'm sorry to keep using him, I know people are sick to death, like Chris Chibnall, like when you literally rush characters out, I see why people get frustrated. Like Mm. you build up the story, but a six-parter, and they've literally rushed everything. You could tell they were literally winding down. But Mm. I personally believe this should have been an arc for Susan, starting from the Aztecs. If she was winding up leaving, she should have started making the frustrations in an episode or two earlier about why she's, Having a bit enough of traveling with the TARDIS, There should have been a bit more confident. Oh, by the way, it's right. And then you don't see anything until goodbye. I've been locked up there in TARDIS. But mm. that's just me. <laughs> I well,
5: agree with you. I agree with you there um, cold-heartedly because it's, uh, I was. I should have mentioned it right at the beginning, six episodes long. Whereas if they wanted it shortened or maybe done quickly, it should have been a four-parter in the end, but not too many characters. For a point of view, there was too many um, side characters in in this whole episode, I think.
2: So, guys that brings us to the end of the literary license podcast for today um do you have anything you want to plug any social medias and stuff
5: um yeah i'm i'm on mario's rights on everything in on facebook on twitter on instagram and please follow me and subscribe to my website and you will get a free magnet book coming soon As well so look out for that one in the next month or two so keep subscribing and keep um, messaging me and i'll get a magnet book soon to you as well for free that's cool ramona you can visit
4: my wall on facebook um everything is open albums pictures photos artwork it's all open so you can see my build uh, from TARDIS consoles to the um, uh, structural reorganization uh, system of the TARDIS that looked like a great big tree with the light pods hanging down, that I built as a model that actually lights up. And even when you turn the power off, the light pods stay lit for about 30 seconds because I painted them with glow-in-the-dark paint.
2: Wow. You can check all my shit out on craigsworld.org. Uh <laughs> Links to everything on there. Check it out. And you can check out the Literary License po- um, podcast newsletter, um, llpodcast.com. You can see um, Ramona's links on there. Everyone's links are on there. Just check it out.
3: He me- he means his actual stuff for sale, not stuff on the toilet, people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, you're having something in the Doctor Who Appreciation Society um, magazine, isn't it?
3: Yes, don't forget to subscribe to Dwass, as it's also short. So. Cool yeah. Yes. For so- socials, you can just find me anywhere. I'm literally virtually... I'm a tsunami. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Mastodon. I'm everywhere on this planet, from photography to literally anything. And don't forget, um, Craig will also want your blood, your money, your pictures, all to go to (laughs) Dwass.
2: So, guys, we'll be back in maybe two weeks for the reign of terror. So, it's good night from me. And good night from me. And good night from me. Yes, I'd hey, mention a hey, sip and a good right,
3: night if I had a cup of coffee. Susan, stop the screaming. Come ah, on.